It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me as always today, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor. Charlie, you saw the thumbnail. You you're, know, you're really trolling. You know with this, what today's Charlie, I just <laughs> we're, we're gonna get into it. I am just, I thought like, okay, in the light of day, coming off the big win last night, people are excited, I'm excited, I'm going to calm down and be rational. Uh, no. No. In fact. This is Philadelphia. In fact, I believe, I, I believe the ceiling of this team is higher than I did last night. Because I had a friend text me last night, and he's like a Devils fan, but more at this point just kind of a general hockey fan. He's like, so what is the Flyers ceiling? I was like, oh, probably like real ceiling, like we've said all along. Let's say they get in and win a round. That's probably all anyone can reasonably expect from this team. And then as I'm just going through everything that we've seen in these first 31 games, um, I, I'm having trouble coming up with reasons why it can't be higher. Now, when you look at some of the best teams in the league on paper and you just go like, oh, look at Colorado Avalanche. Uh, they have Nathan McKinnon. He might not be their best player. You know, like that. It's it's hard to go. Oh well, yeah. Obviously, they're the same as them, but they're not. <laughs> I, yeah, no, it's no reasonably no. You cannot actually make that argument. But I will say, um, like a week ago, Miko Rantanen is calling out his teammate's dad for talking shit on him in the media. Last night, you have uh, Dev, Devin yeah Taves. Devin Taves calling out his teammates, being like. I don't think everyone's committed. And it's like, you know what I know about the Flyers? Everyone's committed. Like Everyone's all in. It, not a guy out there not blocking shots, not doing everything they have to do. They might just have that right mix. Obviously, with the thumbnail image preceding today's show, the image we put out with the tweet, Stanley Cup? Do I think they're cup contenders? <laughs> I. It's hard for me with a straight face to say yes. <laughs> but like... I don't know, in 2007, like 07, 08, were they cup contenders? No, they weren't anywhere near Pittsburgh, but they did play them to six games in the final four. 
maybe their ceiling's a little higher than we have been willing to allow ourselves to think up to this point. Would you grant me that? Yeah, I, I would grant you that. I would say that while everyone is rightfully excited about last night's game, and it was a very fun win, always fun to beat the Devils, especially in overtime, especially in the dramatic fashion that they did, they were not, and I said this on the post game, they were not the better team in that game. This, it, the Flyers were outchanced dramatically. Sam Harrison played very well. They had a couple guys, Ryan Paling, Joel Farabee, had really good games. Obviously, Owen Tippett came through in the clutch in overtime, but I watched that game. Like, there was a difference for me in terms of what I came away from, how I came away from feeling against the, uh, when they played the Avalanche. And I thought, wow, they went in, they went into to, to Ball Arena. It's not called Pepsi Center. I was about to say Pepsi Center because I'm so used to that. It's called Ball Arena now. Um, they went into Ball Arena. Um, tough, tough environment. The altitude, really good team. And I thought they, on the whole, got the better of play in that game. More as good or better than the Colorado Avalanche. And like maybe yes. it's more about when you play a team yes. than who you play. Like they beat Edmonton this year because Edmonton was really yeah, going were, through it. And now Edmonton is kind of back. But, so, but my point is, yeah. is that I watched that game last night and I saw a Flyers team that looks about what I expect the Flyers to look against the Devils. Look, it's hockey. You can win games where you get outplayed. That's part the reason why they play the games. Because if they if it wasn't like that, then teams that are the, it would be the NBA where you just assume that the top six teams are pretty much going to win every night. They, in my mind, played against the Devils the way that I expect this flyer scene to play against the Devils, where they were at times overwhelmed by the high-end talent. They worked really, really hard. They didn't give them things. It wasn't like three years ago when they were just like, it was literally just Goldberg, Goldberg like getting moving out of the way of the net and just being like, here, go ahead, score. That was what the Flyers were doing back in 2021, 2022. That's not them. They're going to make you work for it. The Devils worked for it. The Devils got some goals, but the Flyers ultimately came out on top. I watched that game and I said, this is not a cup contender. And, and maybe other people came away from that game with a different feeling. I came away from that game feeling like, yeah, that was a fun win. That's great. They're, they're on this great point streak, nine games now. Um, they haven't lost a game in regulation in the month of December yet. But I came away from that game feeling like, yeah, they are still a cut below the Devils, even if they are ahead of them in the standings right now. While I will agree for the most part there, I would like to say, and I think it's a great, like we talked about this last night, how funny would it be? if the devil's Achilles heel while they're on this big upswing and they're building towards maybe being a perennial contender with all the great young talent they have, how funny would it be if their Achilles heel continues to be goaltending? <laughs> and I look at what the Flyers have. Now, last night at Samuel Harrison, we should be operating under the assumption probably that a playoff run, especially this year, it would be backstopped by Carter Hart, who has right. been excellent. They appear to have that great equalizer in a goaltender that can win you games behind a defense that is stingy. Yes, they were outchanced. They were outshot in the game. They gave up like 26 shots. If you give up 26 shots in a playoff game, you should probably win it. And that's what this team has done all year. They're one of the better chance and shot suppressing teams in the league. That's, that's John Tortorella. That is what he does. And uh, we, I wanted to start today's show with this. Uh, it's Mailbag Wednesday, as uh, as I, it's Wednesday. Every, yeah, yeah. every day is Mailbag Monday. Every day, day. is Mailbag Monday. <laughs> um, it's from uh, Zen Ahmed. He 
tweeted us. He said, Charlie, when will you and Bill start discussing this Flyers team can compete for a cup this year? They're in almost every game they play. They may make the playoffs. Anything could happen once you get in, but this style is conducive to winning in the playoffs. And what I wanted to get into is they've beaten a bunch of good teams, uh, whether good on paper or actually winning. They've beaten the Canucks, Oilers, Wild, Kings, Hurricanes, Golden Knights, Isles, Avs, Caps, Wings, Devils. They've beaten all of them. They've only had a handful of clunkers, maybe even not that many. And when they've lost to Vegas, Carolina, Dallas, Nashville, it's been in one-goal games, often overtime games. They're there. They're playing with everybody. They're 18-10-3 on the season, points in nine straight, 13-3-2 since the San Jose loss. They've won without Carter Hart. They've won without Travis Sanheim. They're showing now maybe a little bit more of an ability to erase deficits. They have a pair of one-nothing wins. They win in a variety of ways. When do we just have to kind of go? They're good. Like, I mean, I, I think we, I, I, I think we are acknowledging they're good. They're good. I mean, I, I, I am better not, than I, good. I, I am not acknowledging that they are a Stanley Cup contender because I do not believe they are a Stanley Cup contender. So the answer to Zen Ahmed's question is: Bill is going to start discussing this. Uh, I am not because my here's my viewpoint. My viewpoint is that the Flyers seal like. The Flyers just don't have the same ceiling as the teams that have two or three true star players because the the teams that win the Stanley Cup are teams that are playing like the Flyers right now whereas they're you know they're they're very together they're they bought into a system they have a good coach they're doing all the little things they're doing that and they have three guys that can break open a game at any time. Like maybe the Avalanche this year are not a cup contender because even though they have the talent, they don't have the intangible that's bringing them all together. But I guarantee you that once we hit the playoffs, there will be three or four other teams that are doing those things that the Flyers are doing, but also are significantly more talented than the Flyers. And to me, those are the cup contenders. Like just because you, you might be able to argue that the Flyers as a team, are better than some teams that have higher ceilings than the Flyers. But I do think that there are still going to be a few teams with higher ceilings than the Flyers who are playing like the Flyers, except with a lot more talent. And that's... I I feel you. (laughs) And the last few cup contenders have been those awesome teams. Vegas, obviously. Colorado before that. The couple of Tampa teams, right. those are tremendous teams. Go a year before that, St. Louis Blues. We're always going to talk about St. Louis. I, I realize it's the outlier, and <laughs> that's why it's you such the outlier. I realize that's the outlier, and that's why you call it that. But it's not as if there haven't been situations like in the last few years. It has been like, oh yeah, the best team. Like it's been much more NBA, where it's like now there's three teams that can win. There's five teams that can win, and that's really all who can win. That has not been the history of hockey, at least in our lifetime. Yes, in the 70s and 80s, it was like Flyers win two in a row. Montreal wins four in a row. Islanders win four in a row. Oilers win five out of seven. Like, it's been those teams. The 90s and 2000s were different. And what if it's more like that? Like, 
would I place a bet on the Flyers to win a Stanley? I mean, yeah, throw 10 bucks on it and you get a huge return and like, yeah, Christmas is free this year. Sure. Like that sort of bet. But like if it's Bill, it's your mortgage or bet the Flyers. Like, no, I'd rather live in a home. I'd rather have a roof above my head. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just saying they are looking a lot more like one of those teams that can have a fucking miracle run than I thought even a couple of days ago. What I'll say is that, look, my viewpoint about the NHL playoffs, especially in this era, but really, you know, you, you mentioned the the, two, the 90s and the 2000s. For the most part... The 90s, no, I was for, wrong. For, for the most that was part, the teams that win, that won in those eras too, were also really good teams. The 90s was a mistake to mention because there were like four teams that could actually win. Uh, my bad. Uh, <laughs> there was a little... But I'm, the, that I'm, time I'm, I'm period... Going, I'm going through here. There was a little run... I would say right around the lock, right after the lockout, yes. where there were because you had okay, so so let, let let's go through the two thousands. You had the Devils, okay, dynasty ish because they ruined hockey. The Colorado Avalanche, okay, great team, Sackick Forsberg. The Detroit Red Wings, great team, obviously. The Devils again. Tampa Bay Lightning, okay, now we're getting maybe we got the got obviously the Tortorella connection. Right, coach. However. Vincent LeCavalier at the and time. Marty St. Louis. And Marty St. Louis. And Brad, Richards. Brad Richards. Like, they had guys who were top 10, top 20 players. So let's say they're not. Then we get a couple. We have the Carolina Hurricanes in 2006, which are probably the best example of a team that just was a very good, cohesive whole that didn't have superstars. Then you have the Anaheim Ducks, where... I would say they they qualify as a a star level team because they had Pronger, Niedermeyer, two Hall of Fame defensemen. They had Solani at the end of his career, and they also had Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff on, on yeah. entry level contracts. So then you have Red Wings, Penguins, Blackhawks, Bruins. Bruins are maybe the only one, but they were good for a decade. They're still good, apparently. Kings, Blackhawks, Kings, Blackhawks, Penguins, Penguins, Capitals, Blues. There's one, and then. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, Colorado, Vegas. Basically, what we're looking at here in the last 20 or so years are two teams, the Blues and the Carolina Hurricanes um, right after the lockout, who I think fit that mold. That said, I will say that the way I look at the NHL playoffs today is you can get to the cup final being a a team of pieces you know a team where you overachieve you go on a run we've seen it a bunch over the last few years montreal dallas last year with florida even though they were coming off of a president's trophy year, so they were probably better than we expected but you see cinderella runs and i think those are very possible you don't see cinderella teams actually win it they eventually run into one of these teams that I'm talking about where they are playing like a Cinderella team, except they have three or four really, really good players too. That's what I think, even in the best case scenario for the Flyers, the absolute best case scenario, you're going to eventually run into one of those teams. And that is all the time we have. No, the show is not actually over. Uh, but I do have to talk to you about one of our newest partners. It's our friends at Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with just a tap. I never have to 
get on the phone with customer service, which if you know me, oh my God, talking on the phone is my worst nightmare. <laughs> and I lose it and they hang up on me and then I'm stuck with a subscription for life, basically. Uh, they'll even get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 5 million in canceled subscriptions. $5 million in canceled subscriptions. That is a ton. You're thinking, oh, well, how much could my subscriptions really be? You know, I have this streaming service for a couple of bucks. I have, you know, this uh, maybe Charlie's old outlet for a few bucks, <laughs> whatever it might be. Well, guess what? Charlie left. Why are you still paying him? You don't want that anymore. You want to <laughs> you want to be an all-PHLY diehard. Like, obviously, you don't want the, that subscription, but you're <laughs> locked in. You know, maybe you paid for it all up front. And like, how do you get out of it? You get out of it with rocket money. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. <laughs> Whenever I go to look in the camera, I actually just look at myself and then realize <laughs> that's not the camera and I have to like turn my head. I'm still not good like being a television, you know, camera person, on camera personality, so but surely. it's definitely, we're definitely improving, yeah, I would I think say. So. All right. Uh, I'm going to go out of order because I realized the way I ordered this outline is stupid. Um, <laughs> so right now, the Flyers might not have those one or two game breakers. Mm -hmm. I will mention now, our boss Vince is, I mean, if you think I'm being a little irrational, Every day I come in here, is like, so you think they're going to buy at the deadline? <laughs> and while I will say in your interview with Danny Briere, he said, basically, no. Yeah, but he did leave the door he open. He did leave bit. the door open for a Derek Grant, Nate Thompson. Listen, if we can trade a seventh for a dude we think can help us, you know, yeah. they're not going to buy. I don't think that that is on the table. I do not think so either. Could they look at one of the best players in college hockey, Cutter Gauthier? He's about to be one of the headliners of the American World Juniors team. I think he's third in the NCAA in goals, top 10 in points. Is he going to step on the ice and beat Kale McCarr? I doubt it. But, Highly unlikely. But I, I'm looking at this guy every time I hear his name mentioned by any sort of person who pays attention to NCAA ice hockey. They say he's a man. He could play in the NHL today. Physically, yeah. Could that be... A little extra that could maybe bump up their ceiling a tad. Could he be someone? I'm not going to say make a difference. If their ceiling is they win a round, he makes them a team that could go to seven in round two, and then anything happens in game seven, and then boom, you're in the goddamn final four. Like, could he be something more than, ah, oh, he's a rookie, we'll get him in and see how it goes? I don't know. I, I, I think, I mean, this is an interesting question because we don't know how his game is going to translate. It's, it's extremely possible that he hits the NHL and it takes him two or three years to become the player he's ultimately going to, be to ultimately going to become because this is a guy who, I mean, I've watched him play in college. While he does have the physical strength to hold up in the NHL, I do not think he's going to get injured by playing in the NHL right now. 
I do see elements of his game that are not NHL ready. You know, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily play with pace all the time. That's something he's going to have to learn. He does have a tendency to take a lot of shots from distance that because he knows in college he can beat all those goalies from distance. I do not think he's going to be able to do that as often at the NHL level against better goalies. He might have to learn to be a little bit more deceptive with the shot. He may have to learn how to, you know, to do what Owen Tippett is learning how to do, which is, you know, power his way to the net more, do things like that because the shot isn't going to carry him at the NHL level. Is it possible that he pops in and is fully formed? Yeah, it happens. I mean, look at Shane Goss's bear. No one expected Shane Goss's bear to come in and be Shane Goss's bear right off the jump. And he probably would have been able to do the same thing the year before had he not torn his ACL. Like, he was just a guy who, for whatever reason, could do all the things he did in college against NHL players too, especially before the injuries hit. Maybe Gautier can do that. It's possible. You never know. I'm skeptical because I do not view Gautier as having the ceiling as, as say, Amafe Mitchkov, but... Hey, it's happened before. Guys pop in, and suddenly you realize, holy shit, they can do exactly what they did in college or exactly what they did in juniors at the NHL level. I'm just not ready to expect that. It's a totally This is in no way an apples-to-apples comparison because I'm talking about the AHL. But I think back to Richards and Carter joining the Phantoms for their uh, Calder Cup run during the lockout. And while, again, it's minor league hockey... um, it was the lockout. So there's plenty of NHL talent on that ice. Now, the Flyers, the Phantoms had a considerable amount because they had a pretty good crop of dudes who were just around that age, and so they won the Calder Cup. But right. those dudes stepped on the ice and were the best players for the Phantoms, and they win the Calder Cup. I think I think Jeff Carter was the MVP of those playoffs, if I remember correctly. But then if you remember, but, it took both of them two or three years to become really good at the NHL level. Part of the reason why the team had the worst record in hockey that one year is because both Richards and Carter were not ready to be really good players. Carter could score right away, and then it kind of, and then it came back. Yeah, but exactly. I'm just like, it's a possibility to me that he raises the ceiling for this team an inch. Look, and I, if that happens, look at what they're doing right now. I just can't. Look, look I, I guess I feel bad that I have to be the guy that's throwing know, cold water and everything, but like, I guess I'm going to be the guy who's throwing cold water and everything because I still <laughs> don't think they're that good. I know. I just. <laughs> It's hard for me to ignore the results right now. They're second in the Metro, one point up on the aisles. They're third in the East by points, fourth by points percentage. They're ninth in the whole league in both. They're a top 10 team in the NHL. It's hard for me to go a top 10 team in the NHL has no chance. I get it. I'm seeing all the things you are, Charlie. I'm not a, I'm not a moron. I, I, I understand the reality of the situation, but I'm also... One of the questions that uh, Zenimad asked is, it it looks like this style is conducive to winning in the playoffs. And there are, listen, if you're Colorado, but when Colorado made their run, it was like, yeah, we have all this superstar talent. Also, we have a team of badasses. Yeah. Like Nas Kadri, uh, yeah, he'll fuck you up. You know, like <laughs> Tampa's not getting suspended. Yeah, well, you know, he's not in <laughs> Toronto anymore, so he doesn't get suspended anymore. Like Tampa, yeah, we make a joke out of like, oh, they got Pat Maroon and Luke Shen and won, but they did have to go from being a certain way and they had the superstars. That's why they win. Exactly. But then they started playing a bit more of another way and they went to three straight and won two of them. Yeah. They have that at least defensively. I am a little, if there's one thing and it's, if there's one thing that does concern me about this being like 
sustainable, especially in a playoff-like atmosphere. Defensively, goaltending-wise, I think they have it. At least they can compete and yeah, potentially I win. I agree. A rush-based offense, um, I don't know if that's something you can win <laughs> with in the playoffs. Like when you're, okay, we, we blocked a shot, and now Sean Walker is looking up, and he wants Travis Konechny taken off through the neutral zone. Well, someone just horse collars Travis Konechny, and that's completely legal because it's the playoffs, and the refs don't like to, you know, decide games. It's like, well, you're letting them cheat. That's decide whatever. Like, once it becomes playoff hockey, is what they do offensively something do you think that can carry over? Well, I think the big thing that is probably going to be their, it is their Achilles heel, but it's probably going to be what buries them is the power play. Because as much as we joke and say, you know, well, they let everything go in the playoffs— it's not that there are fewer power plays. Like, the, the refs still call penalties. The types of penalties. It's that, just yeah. that everyone is taking more penalties and they call the same amount of power plays yeah. in the playoffs as they do in the regular season when they probably should be calling more because everyone is doing more illegal shit because it's the playoffs. That's the difference. But having a power play that actively makes your team worse, like... I rather see, I I'm I'm happier to see them on the penalty kill than I am to see them on the power play because I know not only are they not going to score on the power play it's probably going to kill their momentum for the next six <laughs> minutes after the power play because they're such a dysfunctional mess well, like that is what in my opinion is going to ultimately bury this team the power play is horrific well, after the power play we got to put the fourth line out and then they'll <laughs> get they'll get buried in their own end for a shift or two and then suddenly like, then they have to dig themselves out of a hole and you would think. Like, a power play would build your momentum, but, I mean, we've spent hours at this point discussing this absolutely non-existent... It, it, they need to come up with a different name for it. Like, it's not a man advantage. Pico is going yeah, to like, actually Pico pull... Is they're gonna they're be going like, to pull their sponsorship yeah, of the power play. Pico's like, we're not allowed to turn people's power off in the winter. <laughs> like, we can't keep paying for this. It's nonsense. It's killing yeah. us. Uh, anyway, that's that. Just while, since I brought up Cutter Gauthier, I am, uh, as I do many days, because Jeff Marrick is, like, the third host of the show at this point, um, they're talking about Gauthier, because he has said a couple of times now... I think the, everyone's biggest takeaway from this World Juniors is going to be like, oh, Gauthier's awesome. Uh, and that could very well be. But he brought up, like, we waved off in the summer this idea of some kind of rift with the organization. I think everyone's always a little nervous about college guys yeah, playing that's, out That's the exactly what it is. Um, Everybody's did, terrified of college And guys. it's like, oh, every time I ask someone around in the, the league, not just in the Flyers organization, but just around the league about Gauthier maybe joining the Flyers at the end of the season, um, they go, we'll see, Yeah. Do you get any sort of vibe, for lack of a better term, that maybe we were a little too dismissive of him? Like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to rookie camp or whatever it is. Not really, okay. uh, to be honest. Awesome. I mean, I, I I could see, could I see a scenario where Gautier does not join the team after his season is done? Sure, I could see that. I cannot see a scenario where Cutter Gautier spends four years in college just to not join the Philadelphia Flyers. I think that is the epitome of fans on Twitter getting scared about things before they ever actually happen. I just, we do the, the idea of a top 10 prospect who is NHL ready right now, staying in college an extra two years and taking on the risk of getting injured and having his entire career come to a premature end before he even hits the NHL because he so desperately does not want to play for the Philadelphia Flyers, who, by the way, actually look good now. 
I just don't see it. I, I don't see a scenario where he is that opposed to joining the Philadelphia Flyers that he will spend two more years in college and put his entire career and future livelihood at risk to do so. I just, I think that is, I think that is people being scared for the sake of being scared. Could I see a scenario where maybe he doesn't sign this year? Yeah, it's possible. Oh, I don't think it's likely. That's, but, uh, but this I, summer will be. I don't think it's likely, but it, sure, I, I guess anything oh. can happen. But, and also, as I noted on a past show this week, we've done so many shows this week, I don't remember which I, one. Who's to say? But I said that the Frozen Four doesn't end until April 12th. Could I see a scenario where Gautier wins the wins the national championship, parties for a week, and then basically tells the Flyers, you know, I don't really feel like playing in the playoffs. I'll just sign in the offseason. Oh, my God. I guess it's possible. I just... That would start to worry me about... And listen, I, I say this as if, like, I, I've said all along, I, I've always... I've always kind of related to Richards and Carter because I can't say I wouldn't have been the exact same way had I, you know, had that sort of ability and opportunity. Uh, I would maybe now in my my more somewhat more mature 35-year-old self. I'm, I'm like, I'm no longer 17 forever. I'm like 23 forever. <laughs> um, I If he were to be like, nah, I'm good on joining a team in the Stanley Cup playoffs... I would be horrified about him. Fair. That's fair. Like, bro, you, you really got to want this. Yeah, you got to want it. This I, is real hard. And, th and that's If totally you're not fair. all the way in, uh, especially for this coach, <laughs> uh, that would worry me. About. I, I just cannot see a scenario where he takes the risk of staying in college. Because that's what he, have, that would say what he would have to do. In order to leave a team and not that has drafted yeah. you, you have to spend all four years in college, exhaust your eligibility, and then sign. I just do not see that happening. I really, really don't. And he's straight up said, he said at the beginning of the year, his plan is to sign at the end of the year. Do I think it's possible, and this might be what Jeff Merrick is here, do I think it's possible that he's like not super thrilled about the idea? Like he's not of playing for John he, he doesn't love, yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, there was a big rumor in the summer, mostly driven by literally one dude on Twitter who was seemingly trying to pretend that he was Tony D'Angelo. There was a rumor that, that, Cutter Gauthier is best friends with Kevin Hayes, and that's the reason why he doesn't want to be a flyer. I don't think that was true to the degree that it was being presented. However, I could see a scenario where he looked at Kevin Hayes and was like, eh, I don't know if I love this torts guy. I would, uh, like, I like Kevin Hayes a lot. I am sorry he's gone. I realize he doesn't fit and the team is better for it. I just really enjoyed Kevin Hayes. Yeah, fun guy. My kind of guy. Um, when Kevin Hayes has been in the league a long time, he's like almost 30. Uh, why would his best friend be like 17 years exactly. old? That exactly. would be weird. It would be very weird. That would be kind of weird. Extremely weird. All right. That's just something that I heard today. And I no, know and look, it's, it's, things it's, are going it's well. Merrick. He's, he's a reputable source. And I'm sure he's hearing this from people that are just like, eh, you know, maybe Gautier won't sign at the end of the year and rush into the Flyers organization. That's possible. I just don't think the, the next leap has to be, he's not going to sign with the Flyers because I just, you have to look at the implications of how he would have to go about doing that and i just don't think it's going to happen um and that's it, 
I realize a lot of this is people, like you said, sometimes people just scared are scared for the sake of it, yeah. and people and, and they also people get are afraid about college to, players. People are afraid to make the leap emotionally sometimes, so they're looking for everything that can go wrong twelve steps ahead, like the. Uh, you know, like that scene in Goodwill Hunting where he's like, well, let me tell you what can go wrong. Like, you know, and I just look at something that happened. I think it was today when we talk about the Flyers bad luck. Nolan Patrick retired out of hockey. Has he? So uh, here, here, here's the thing. All right, all right. I, I think he's probably retired. However, I the 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 confirmation. I don't know if it's been confirmed by anyone reputable. It's basically he put up a resume that, that says he's retired. Okay. Let's say he's not officially retired because it doesn't the league. I don't think he's filed retirement exactly. with the league or whatever. Uh, Nolan Patrick was the second overall pick. It's the luckiest thing that's happened to the Flyers like since the arbitrator said Lindros is yours, and that's we fair. all know how that ended. Yeah. Um, well, he was real good for the Flyers. Yeah, he was he was real good for a short period of time. Um, Hall of Famer. That bad luck of the last time we had a dude this highly touted. Uh, re- it didn't work. You know, and, and there's a long history of shit yeah. going bad for this team. That's all. That's like, I think people, while maybe these fears specifically are unfounded, and I'm choosing to look at this season like new era of orange, fresh slate, it's real hard to just like punch yourself in the head and try to give yourself enough brain damage to forget everything that's happened with this team in the last 15 years. It's fair. Yeah. And the Nolan Patrick stuff, especially the last like five or six years too. the Nolan Patrick stuff is sad. It's a bummer. My guess is that he will never play again. I just would like, I would like to get confirmation from Nolan Patrick or from Nolan Patrick's agent Uh, before I say uh, for certain, because it's possible that he is presenting himself in a resume that he is a retired NHL player because he's looking for a job and anybody that hires him is like, well, are you just going to go back and play in the NHL? Like, I just wonder if this is not an official retirement, if this is more of a, well, no one's offered me a contract, so I guess I'm retired. And and that could, I'm just, the idea that he is not just not that great, but not on the team and not on any team. Yeah. Like, yes. it's people but, I think are a little scared and yeah. there's some reason no, it, to hold negativity inside of you because things often don't go this team's way. Yeah, you know, and, we get Peter Forsberg. Yeah, his foot don't work. Oh, we have Chris Pronger, team's a Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, he's never going to play again. Like, oh, Ryan Ellis, that's cool. It was, wasn't it? Those six games, I'll never forget them. Like, Shit goes wrong for us. I guess I just can't. And the, I, I know I've I gotten know. into this this debate with people for years. Like I just can't approach covering the Flyers with the like fatalism. Well, everything's going to go wrong because it's the Flyers. Like I have to look at this as an objective journalist and say, hey, this could work. Not. Well, it's not going to work. Why is it not going to work? Not a reason. Because it never works. Just because it yeah. never works because we're the Flyers. Like, like, okay, a fan can believe that, sure. And But I, I cannot. That, I cannot accept that. I believe this is part of what makes the dynamic of this show good, <laughs> Charlie, is that you are nothing if not professional and intelligent and logical. 
And I'm going to tell you what I think at this minute. And by the end of this show, I might think something totally different. Uh, but right when I'm saying it, I believe it. Yeah. You right. know, like when the show ends, I might not think they're cup contenders. <laughs> but right but now, at, like, yeah, maybe. Right now at 4.06 on Wednesday afternoon, I, I believe it. Uh, before we go any further, I got to tell you about our pals at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have uh if you're like me right now you're feeling it man open up that game time app flyers are going away for a long time they have one home game before the new year it's tomorrow thursday night down at the wells fargo center flyers predators last time they played went to overtime it was a good game you might want to go check it out see this team up close and personal you're like i'm not sure if they're cup contenders or not i'm not sure if i agree with charlie or bill see for yourself go down there and use game time to do it game time is the place for last minute ticket deals forget planning months in advance game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And more includes hockey. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. While we are on um, the Nolan rumors. Patrick stuff? Oh, no, no we're, we're moving away I'm, from the Nolan Patrick uh, stuff. We'll go back to maybe okay. that. I'm in a good mood. I don't know if I want to discuss the bad luck at length, okay. and okay. that's kind of where the Nolan Patrick thing was going to take me. Okay. It's also sad. Yeah. Like, I. We can talk all the shit in the world, and maybe he wasn't all in. Maybe he wasn't the nicest guy to... Whatever. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. He was the second overall pick, presumed first for like 18 months. If he was born like a couple of days early, I think his yeah. birthday was like September 15th. If yeah. he's born two weeks earlier, like he's a... Like, top three yeah, pick in the previous top three draft, pick probably, in a yeah. generational draft yeah. like it's a fucking shame it is a shame like it's for a the flyers for, for him for every like it, it sucks that this dude like he was going to be an nhl player and a damn good one even when like okay he's not a superstar he was good yeah like he made plays I, when I, he was I, healthy i think he would have been a good nhl player he was he wasn't healthy and was a 40 point guy like probably going to be all right yeah and his career is essentially over. Yeah. That sucks. No matter what, uh, anything, that sucks. Yeah. So I want to talk about um, something that's interesting, more on the uh, perhaps unsubstantiated rumors from other podcasts on the Cam and Strick, 
Cam and Strick's show today. Uh, it's Cam Jansen and NHL insider Andy Strickland. They talked about the possibility of John Tortorella, and this is something we've discussed in the past. I think this is what's going to happen eventually. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but the possibility of John Tortorella moving up into management maybe sooner than expected to make way for the return of the chief, Craig Berube, jumping in as head coach. I think this is a possibility if it's real at all, like next yeah. season. Because if I'm uh, if I'm a fired coach, oh, I'm sitting on my ass and collecting that paycheck, buddy. And when my contract's up, I'll go looking for a job then. The possibility of Craig Berube jumping in to return as this team's head coach. Of course, the link here, Berube and Jonesy are... Real good oh, pals. Butts, yeah. They are good, good pals. We've all heard the jokes. Jonesy would start the fights. Craig Berube comes in over the top and knocks someone out. <laughs> and yeah. Jonesy laughs his way to the bank. <laughs> um, now that he is in charge, Keith Jones, Keith, Craig Berube, fired by the St. Louis Blues because his general manager decided to give him a bad team. Um, do you think this is at all on the radar? I... I don't want to rule it out entirely just because the connection is so obviously there. The Flyers, everyone in the Flyers world loves Craig Berube. Like he is, he is just one of those people who is like so much in the club that when he got fired, the first thing I thought of was they're going to find a way to bring him in somehow. I don't know how, but they're going to find a way to get him in because Jonesy's best buddies with him. Everybody in the organization is best buddies with him. He's a Stanley Cup winning coach. They're going to find a way. John Tortorella is doing a great job as head coach. John Tortorella right now is going to win the Jack Adams, like, I in my mind at least. I don't know why you would kick John Tortorella upstairs unless he wants to be kicked upstairs because he's doing such a good job coaching, getting the most out of this team. Now you could argue that maybe they would be better served losing whatever if you're a tanker. But if you're, if you're talking about him doing his job and his job is to get a team to play well and get a team to play good hockey, he is doing a fantastic job as head coach of this Flyers team. I do not know why... And I'm not saying Craig Berube is not a good coach. I do believe that Craig Berube is a good coach. I think, a, I think he's a significantly better coach than he was the first go around here in Philly. I did not think he deserved to be fired um, from St. Louis. Um, so I think he's a good coach. I think John Tortorella is a better coach. So yeah. I do not know why you would do that. Like, I don't think this isn't a situation where this is the best coach in history is on the market. So you have a conversation with John Terrell and you say, hey, if you were planning to go upstairs two years from now, why don't you do it now so we can get Craig Berube? I do not think Craig Berube is that much of a holy shit, we need to get Craig Berube where you basically kick John Tortorella upstairs. Now, if John Tortorella at the end of the season is like, you know, Craig is the guy who I think is the right guy to lead this thing after I'm done. And if we wait on it, he's going to go get hired by somebody else. And then we're going to miss that chance. Maybe I'm ready to take a step back. Maybe like, I, I don't think it's something that I can dismiss out of hand. And Andy Strickland is based in St. Louis. I'm sure he's buddies with Craig Berube. I'm sure that he's hearing this from people around Craig Berube. So I do not want to dismiss the possibility out of hand. I do not think this shit is being made up. I just don't know why you would do it unless John Tortorella wants it to happen. And that's, I've always thought all along, like we've said this countless times between Broad Street Hockey and here, like John Tortorella to me when he was hired and talks about restoring 
Philadelphia Flyers to their rightful place amongst the premier teams in the NHL, the respect of the, the flying P, all that sort of stuff. Um, there, I did it. Like the blue note, the flying P. Yeah. Um, like, Play for the note. I, I, to me, it was always like, okay, if that's going to happen, like John Tortorella, not a young man. If this team is going to reach what they were in the 70s, 80s, Lindros era, um, <laughs> it's going to take a long time. It's not just a head coaching, I was hired to be fired, like so many of the coaches, pretty much all coaches are, and especially hockey, where it's like two, three years, you're out of here, even if you did a good job, i.e. Craig Berube. Right. Like, won a cup, he's out on his ass. Um, it was the beginning of his story with the Flyers was head coach, and then he's going to become part of the club. I mean, if there was ever a guy yeah. who maybe wasn't born a Flyer, but... Yeah, he was. He's a flyer. You, you do the DNA test, you're like, oh, man, there's some Clarky in there, huh? <laughs> you know, like, it's him. He's going to ascend to that role. Maybe it's sooner than expected, but I definitely see this as a legitimate possibility. Is yeah. he going to, is Barubi going to hang around, maybe, like, join the organization in some capacity, and then eventually he takes yeah, over? Yeah, like, with the unspoken acknowledgement that, hey, when Torts goes upstairs, you got the job, buddy. Yeah. And I, I just think back to uh, you were you were in the press box at the time of Barubi, right? Yes. Uh, I was young Sparingly, at the time. Yeah. I was there uh, quite most of most games. Uh, I don't remember if it was the Orange Update, Sons of Penn. I don't know. Everything from 2012 to 16 kind of runs together in my mind. Being at his press conferences was terrifying. <laughs> like I looked at that man and was scared. And I just think of the locker room like. They seem to all pretty much be on board with torts. And, like, a lot of times, you know, I always think of baseball, like, all right, you uh, get rid of Terry Francona, you bring in Larry Bow to kick everyone's ass, and then after that, all right, we need the nice guy and Charlie, right. and then, okay, well, we need someone to kick their ass. Um, I, I just imagine the locker room, like, oh, my God, torts is gone. All right, take a little breath here. Uh, here comes Chief. Yeah, but by, <laughs> but by the same token, I actually, that's something I do legitimately worry about, though, not in the way you're saying it, but on the flip side of that. I look at what happened to Columbus when Tortorella left. They, I mean, the whole reason why they went and they took the risk on Babcock is because they were basically like, we need another Torts. Who's the closest to Torts? I guess we're getting Babcock because they felt like accountability <laughs> fell off a cliff once the bad man was gone and he wasn't there to yell at everyone. And his assistant just didn't have that same presence, that same ability to, to shame players into playing better. <laughs> so I do worry a little bit that when Torts, like, I love Bradshaw. I think Bradshaw is a really, really good assistant coach. Bradshaw strikes me as a really, really nice guy. I do wonder if, as much as I think Bradshaw deserves a head coaching shot, I worry a little bit that if John Tortorella got kicked upstairs and Bradshaw took over as head coach, would accountability suffer because Bradshaw just isn't the same hard ass. And this isn't a negative about Bradshaw. I just wonder after Tortorella, do you need another kind of hard ass to make sure that everything Tortorella implemented doesn't slip the minute he's gone? I worry a little bit about that. And, and Berube, so I think, would, bring would actually be the yeah. correct replacement. Yeah, maybe. I just, the thing with Baruby is just, and like, I know. Is this that, not the most flyer shit ever? I know that ever. the vibes are good around the flyers, so we're not hating on them about it. It's the, but like, it's like, do, do you have to? Like, does it have to always be a fucking flyer? Does it, like, it's the exact thing that 
you and I were, me especially, because you don't rail, I rail, <laughs> uh, we're railing against, like, I get that we want the culture, we want the family thing back, everything was better when Ed Snyder was alive, all that, but, like, the former flyer thing has been an issue amongst a lot of people. Now, listen, everyone likes Danny right now. Yeah. Obviously, everyone loves Jonesy. Just did an inter interview with Angelo Cataldi uh, promoting his book, and he had some great Jonesy stories. Check that out right here on our YouTube page. If it's not up right now, it should be up like pretty soon. I don't know. Uh, but it, it was good. <laughs> it's uh, coming. We might be tacking the audio on to the end of the show. Once again, I don't know how things work here. But anyway, like everyone loves these guys right now, and there is a restoration going on of we're bringing the family aspect back, but... Sometimes that gives this organization the tunnel vision. Yeah, the, like, the argument they that, are yes. too much one thing. Exactly. The argument that I've made, and this was my thing about maybe not so much Jonesy, but definitely Briere, is this idea that Danny Briere might be a really good GM. So far, signs are good that he is a good GM. We will see how this plays out over the next few years. Chuck Fletcher got off to a good start, too. We saw what happened with him. So we'll see. However, even if Danny Breer is legitimately a good GM, the idea that, like, you're shrinking the hiring pool if you're only hiring former Flyers. You might get lucky, and maybe one of those former Flyers truly was the best person for the job. But if, you're, if your hiring pool, and you said this, if your hiring pool is only people we know you're cutting down on the likelihood that you are actually hiring the best person for the job <laughs> because everyone else is hiring from the entire hockey world and you are hiring from people who at one time wore the orange and black jersey. Like, I, I was an advocate of... Well, first, it was Jim Montgomery. That was my guy. And he is former flyer. Yeah, I mean, sure. he named the Legion of Doom. Sure. But, like, I was hoping for... Like, let's get the next great genius out of Finland. Guess what's never, ever going to happen in Flyerland? Get the that. next great genius out of like, That is never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Like the hiring pool. And listen, maybe they, maybe they are right. Maybe they'll get the right guy, like you said. But it's just like, it's a lot the way we talk about the rebuild. Um, you're threading a needle. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. Gauthier and Mishkov better be the truth. Otherwise, what they are right now, which is nice, but like they're ninth in the NHL. It's not like they're first. Yeah. You better be, like, if you don't hit it, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where they are in that. So I, I think it would be interesting. It would definitely be entertaining. We could do endless shows on it. I just wonder how realistic it is. And I, I guess now, because it's totally different, there's probably no, like, you know, Hextall's gone, that whole thing. There's probably no ill will, like Jonesy's boy, like we said. Yeah. You think he, this would be something he's interested in? I mean, I guess you get the call. You take the job. I, I think the Flyers are very much turning themselves, especially under Jonesy, because Jonesy is just beloved by everyone in the game, and the fact that the team is playing better, and the fact that they have Mitchkov coming. They are turning themselves back into an organization that I think... I think it, it's more now... It's It might eventually become players, but right now I think it's people that are that are retired. It's people in management... It's becoming an organization I think that people want to join again. I don't think we're at the stage where sign. players want to necessarily be a flyer because players are younger. They don't have that same connection with what the flyers used to be. But I do think that, that there are a lot of people in the game who are watching the flyers from afar who are like, I would like to be in that organization. That seems like an organization that 
is on the right track, is run by the right people. And they might be wrong, but there is a perception that like everybody wants to work for Keith Jones. Everybody loves Keith Jones. And Keith Jones is saying all the right things. The Flyers are doing all the right things. Now they're winning on the ice. I think Craig Berube, especially with his pre-existing connection with the Flyers, would absolutely want to be back part of this version of the Flyers. I absolutely think that. Now, whether he would be willing to sit around and wait for a couple of years for John Tortorella to semi-retire, I don't know. He is a Stanley Cup winning coach. There's going to be a lot of teams that potentially want to hire a Stanley Cup winning coach, possibly as soon as in like a month or two. You never know. No, like Ottawa might come calling today, you know, and that would... That'd be so funny for G. Um, <laughs> just, oh, here's a full circle moment. There we go. Uh, before we go any further, I got to tell you about FOCO, baby, because FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day. Maybe you're in the market for some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have your, yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. For all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. That's PHLY10 for 10% off at FOCO. And when you're talking about holiday wear, good team gear, Oh, baby, do they have some good stuff. This sweater right here, it's a Philly thing, Kelly Green. This arrived from FOCO today. Sure did. I put it on immediately. I, I watched Bill put it on for And it is, I'm going to tell you right firm. now, it is comfortable. It's warm, actually, with these lights. I'm starting to sweat a little bit. We only have a few minutes left in the show, <laughs> thankfully. But this thing is going to be great. It will be a hit at your holiday parties. It's going to be a hit if you give it to somebody as a gift. I, I really like it. You know, I wear a ton of team apparel. I'm constantly trying out different brands and stuff. This is FOCO. Foco branded, and I'm a big fan. You will be too. So check it out at Foco and get your 10% off with promo code PHLY10. All right, a uh, few things left here to get to. Some of it is uh, maybe a little bit of what we uh, talked about last night, but I think I want to get into. Uh, start with Walker and Sealer. Okay. Now, this is mostly a Sean Walker conversation, but uh, those two, we've you know, heard the rumor that at least one team wants them as a pair, perhaps around the deadline. Makes sense. But they are both expiring uh, defensemen, so they're guys who might be moved. With where this team is right now, again, I don't think they're going to buy. That's that's not happening. But you brought up this idea last night that's been kind of running around in my head. Could they potentially justify not trading one or both of them and say? these are our version of rentals. Like these guys, because we're, we're still in the playoff hunt, we're maybe still top three in the division or we're right on the borderline of a wild card, whatever it might be. We want to give the guys in the room, and we've heard that like they've earned it, so we're going to give them the opportunity. These guys, Walker and Sealer, are basically deadline additions because we did not move them despite them being on expiring deals. Could you see them justifying that? Right now, no. Right now, no, I do not think that is their plan. I think they are absolutely looking at Sean Walker as someone where it's either we re-sign him or we trade him, and I think they're absolutely looking at Nick Sealer as someone who they are planning to trade. Now, if they continue to win, if they are solidly in a playoff spot, 
maybe. I mean, hell, if they're solidly in a playoff spot, if we're talking about if it's the end of January or they're on pace for 100, 105 points or something, they might think about re-signing Sealer. They might be like, hey, we got a, we got a, a wagon here. What the hell? I don't think that would be smart, but I look, you, you never know. Things can change. Like, literally, Bill, you opened the show saying, Stanley Cup? Two weeks ago, if I told you that two weeks in the future you would be opening a show saying, Stanley Cup? You would be like, you're I gotta, insane. I got to quit drinking. You're actually <laughs> insane. So things can change. I gather that p- things can change on per- in people's opinions of the team on Twitter. We had that opening question from Zen Ahmed about why not? So things can change. Right now, I would say that no, I do not think the Flyers will look at Walker and Sealer as own rentals at this point, based on the conversation I've had with I had with Danny Breer on the uh, on the road trip, based on what I've heard from people around the organization. I do not think that they would look at it that way right now. If in early February they are just absolutely killing it, maybe that changes. Right now, I do not think that is their plan. I keep looking uh, at this team in terms of like. I'm looking for benchmarks to show how and why they're different. And like we've, you know, in general terms, like one goal against does not become four. You know, someone yeah. makes a mistake and then nine other people make mistakes like that. They've cut that out. There's just certain things I'm seeing that are considerably different. When we talk about what this team could be in the near future, you said end of January. I am looking at these next couple of weeks. And I meant to actually go back and look at previous Disney on ice trips and see how they've fared and like the history of this. But in my head, this has often been a big stumbling point for this team. They go out West uh, over the holidays, things go to shit and uh, maybe they never get back on track. You know what the funny thing is last year, as bad as last year was, that was the that one was the beginning of, trip they did. That was the beginning of, Oh shit, they're going to make the playoffs. What's going, what's the man. And then like after that, they, yeah. they had like a, like a, a 10 and three run or something that like centered around the Disney on ice yep. trip. But I wanted to go back and like, look at some of them, but guess what? We have a show every day. I can do this tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but are you, uh, you said end of January, I'm kind of looking at like between now and the first week of the new year as maybe a benchmark of, yeah, things are different. Like we have to start planning for, they're going to be in the playoff run. Like this to me is a good point to look at them and go, yeah, things really are different. Like I know I started the show Stanley cup, but if they get through this one on the same pace that they're on right now, I, I I think it becomes more and more realistic that it's not going to all fall apart. Cause that is something again, Jeff Merrick is the unofficial third host. He's like, I just keep looking at them and going, when's it going to fall apart? And I think a lot of us in yeah. the back of our minds yeah, are like, they so. can't keep this up. Yeah. They're just not that good. Yeah. If it does not fall apart and in fact keeps ascending through January 3rd or whenever their last game of the trip is, the second, um, to me, that's a big flashing neon sign. Yo, take them seriously well, for the, real. I think the big thing here with regards to when I talk about how things can change, you know, in a month's time, we could be looking at this and we could be having an entirely different discussion because our perception of the quality of the team changed. To me, the big thing that continued strong play hints at, and this is why I I cannot get on board with the like, this is terrible that they're winning because they're never going to get the talent they need. If they keep winning, especially if they keep winning in this way, 
that implies that the guys they have here are actually really talented. Yeah. Like, and, and that changes things because then suddenly it's like, well, how are we going to get? How are we going to get the the five stars we need to be a great team? Well, TK is one of them. If, we Sean, have if Sean Couturier <laughs> yeah. is a Selkie winner, he's one of them. If if Travis Konechny is a forty five goal scorer, he's one of them. If Joel Faraby is Justin Williams, the best five on five scorer. Yeah, then he's one of them. And then you have some of those guys already here. And then you pop a Mitchkoff and a Gautier on top of them. And then suddenly you do have a team with four or five impact guys because they have two or three impact guys that are already here. Now, I'm not ready to say that about those guys yet because it's still December. They still need to do this for longer, especially guys like Faraby and even somebody like Konechny, who has improved his five-on-five results dramatically. I think in large part, that's because he's playing alongside Sean Couturier. That helps. But he's improved his five-on-five results dramatically. He looks very good this year. He looks like he could be potentially a 40-plus, 45-plus goal scorer. If that is who he is in two months, I need to reassess my view of how talented those guys are. And then we as a group, I actually think I'm going to be writing an article on this later this week, but we as a group need to reassess how many more stars they actually need because perhaps they have guys on this team who are of that level already. All right. Uh, I, I see even, even the skeptic, He's starting to get there, folks. We're going to break him down. <laughs> I'm going to do this. Uh, I don't want to actually spring this question from Stakatoshi on you because it's like, you know, you don't have cap friendly open. So we may be able to do that later this week. Um, just the Ryan Paling thing real fast to, to wrap up. That we talked about post That we talked about a little post game. Yeah. What do you think? Well, do you already think? He is maybe carving out, at least for now, a permanent role in the top nine. And if you don't think this is going to extend beyond a couple more games or whatever, uh, what do you think he has to do to stay? I do not think he's carving out a permanent role in the top nine because, as I said on last, last night's postgame show, I think that once Scott Lawton starts playing better, he will take that spot again. I think this is a temporary thing because of how poor Scott Lawton has been over the last few weeks. What I do think Ryan Paling is doing, and I absolutely believe this, I think he is carving out a permanent role on this team. He's only on a one-year contract. Now, granted, they still have restricted free agents. He's an RFA. Him, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. Not like they, it's not like he's a pending UFA. But he's a guy who the Flyers are trying to decide if they want him to be part of this. I think he is very much convincing the Flyers that they want him to be part of this. Now, I do not want them to sign him to like a cap hit of $3 million. No, 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 no. But I don't think he's going to need that. I don't think he's going to need that. I think you could sign him to a two, three-year deal and have him be a... He's a guy who they look at as he's young enough, he's a bottom sixer for us for the next few years. I think that he is very much convincing... Danny Briere, Keith Jones, John Tortorella, that Ryan Paling needs to be part of this. And that's something that I wasn't sure he was going to be able to do going into the season. Coming in, I thought he was, um, I mean, it's somewhat similar. This is why I called him a waiver claim last night because he's Kiefer Bellows in my head. Mm, gotcha. Like, this was just kind of a roll the dice and let's see kind of a pickup. And it, and it, and it was. It's exactly the kind was, of moves was, I want the Flyers He was making. a non-tendered, like, dude. They exactly. just picked up off the scrap heap after exactly. a year. In, like, not even. They played, like, 30 games or something in Pittsburgh. Like, uh, 
it was worth a shot, and it looks like it's paying off. Just one last now. Uh, you said when Lawton gets it back together, you think he'll once again supplant Paling. Do you expect him to? Do you expect him to get it back together, or is what Scott Lawton is right now? Is he turning? Is he declining? Is he turning is he, into a pumpkin? I wanted to say turn into a pumpkin, but that's not fair because like it's not as if he had one good year. Yeah. This is like four or five sus- yeah. sustained years of good hockey. Yeah, he's a good player. I think Scott Lawton will bounce back. Okay. I I am. I am enough of a believer in his talent level to think that he has not just fallen off the cliff at age 29 going on 30. Okay. I think he has quite a few more solid years left in him. Dope. I, I could be wrong, but I think this is just a bad run of play. I do not think this is Scott Lawton is a bad hockey player now. Whether you want Scott Lawton to stay as part of the culture or you want to trade Scott Lawton, the, I, the fact that Charlie believes he's going to bounce back is good. Uh, because <laughs> like it's easier to trade a good player and it's a lot more justifiable to keep around a good player than a dude who's just like, well, he wears an A, so he's got to be out there. Right. All right. And that is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Not this week, just today. We're going to be back with post game tomorrow. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Follow us right here on YouTube. Make sure you have those alerts set. Never miss a live show. Follow the podcast, PHLY Flyers. Follow us on Twitter at PHLY underscore Flyers. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Have a great week, Philly. 